0: you're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania
1: hey it's grace hey it's
2: Sarah. hey, it's Chelsea, and today we are going to talk about Jennifer Barzalowski. Um, She was known as Jenny, and we kind of talked about her case when we went over the Felicia Thomas case. I want to say, I guess when this comes out, it will be two weeks past, I'd say.
0: Um, Felicia's case, right? Yes, I think so. Two or three.
2: And I want to say that I really probably should have started this case off first. I went over the Felicia Thomas case. And then I remember messaging the girls and be like, this is two missing women. Why do I keep doing this to myself? And I was like, at first I was going to do them both together. And I'm kind of glad I didn't. And the reason why I decided to do the Felicia first was because she just had so much information out there. I mean, there was just so many articles. Her family went constantly talking to media, putting it out there you know, doing that kind of stuff. And when I was looking at stuff for Jenny, there was like nothing, honestly. And both of them were linked together. And it kind of reminds me of a case that I did with Maria Cabuenos and Jolie Barniak. And it's kind of like the same thing. Um, Maria went missing first and it was Julie, but Julie's overshadowed her for X, Y, Z. And it's just kind of heartbreaking because they both matter. Why, why does this happen? And it's really, really frustrating. And the thing about this is this was in the same town. They're the same people, the same community. How can one story overshadow the other? It just really confuses me. So we're going to actually start now. I also do want to say that I was able to get in contact with family members for this case, um, and they definitely helped fill in some blanks and give more information because like I said, there was not a lot of information. I mean, there was obviously, I guess, articles when it happened, but over time people were pulling the same information. And I remember some of dates were different. Like one would say the second one would say the 12th It was cause like along the way information was getting jumbled up. So it was definitely nice talking to the family. Jennifer Barzalowski went by Jenny, as we talked about. She was 18 years old and she was from the Outside looking in, kind of just making all of the wrong choices. She was a dropout of Lake Lehman High School. Her sister said that she would ride the bus to school, walk in, and then turn right back around and walk right back out those doors. Jenny managed to become friends with the same party crowd that Felicia and Steve ran with. And again, if you listen to our case on Felicia, you will know that she supposedly disappeared at a party with heavy drug usage. Drug use was definitely being, you know, done within this group of people. I looked up the stats for Luzerne County, and it seems that drug use was a problem at the time of Jenny's disappearance all the way until, I guess, present time now. In 2020, the county had 179 drug overdoses, and in 2019, there were 128. For 2021, there were over 200, and currently fentanyl is 75% of the cause of these deaths.
0: Oh my God. We definitely saw major increases during covid all of that. I mean, like as you're pointing out, you know, 2019 increased into 2020, which increased into 2021. I mean, we've definitely seen that continue for sure. Oh it's yeah, horrible. It is
2: really sad, and it, I definitely don't think it's just like a Luzerne County thing. I definitely think oh, it's no. a U.S. problem. Yeah, a huge, huge U.S. problem. So if you don't know a lot about fentanyl, it was first synthesized in 1960 by Dr. Paul Janssen. And at the time, it was this huge breakthrough because it was 100% more powerful than morphine. It didn't become FDA approved until 1968, but it could only be combined with... Dripitorol. Damn, I was... I don't know why I know that. Okay, well, what you said. And um, (laughs) the reason why it would have to be combined was because it was hopes that it would minimize the abuse
0: potential i'm sorry what just why why i get putting the droplet roll in just to say like it'll it'll reduce the abuse potential but if you know that something is addictive and can be abused but it's something that you created why would you give it to people well,
2: I am so, I hate pharmaceutical companies and I don't I probably well, haven't yeah. I haven't griped about this before, but my mom had MS. I'm not sure if I mentioned it before. And she kind of, you know, did like the recreational stuff. I mean, she was born in that time frame. She got heavily addicted to OxyContin, which was a drug prescribed for people with MS. Right. Problem is it was super addictive. And then the company that made Oxycontin gave a drug for you to help beat your addiction with it. And they were just making so much money and profiting off these people that, but they didn't stop.
1: So the same company that made the drug that you're addi- addicted to also made the drug yep. to help you kick your addiction to the drug well yeah yeah, i can't remember the name i mean i don't know why i'm surprised at all but that's disgusting
2: hold on i'm gonna look up the name really fast um because it was like a huge um there was a huge thing about it because a lot of people really suffered with uh the addiction um and there was i don't know there was a tv show on it and they did have like a huge case against it there was tons of opioid lawsuits against oh yeah this um company Uh, the company is, is Purdue and they had to pay out billions. I mean, billions of dollars to tons of families. It's just a real crappy
0: thing. It just, it blows my mind. And I, I mean, again, like I get that it's, you know, big pharma and I think a lot of people just accept that now, but it just blows my mind that people in the healthcare industry who claim to be wanting to help people are like, oh, we created this drug. And even though we created it and could go back to the drawing board and try to make something new, instead, we're going to give it to you, even though it's highly addictive and is really susceptible to being abused. But don't worry, we're going to also sell you something to make it better. Yeah. Like it just
1: you're I, like, I do you I want to go back mentality. and go back and workshop that maybe for a little bit longer? Yeah. <laughs> before right. you, um, it's... well, I want
2: to say around that time frame. I want to say like '90s to 2000s, and as we'll talk, you'll hear more about like the fentanyl problem. But even my father, he had um, epilepsy, and he would go to different doctors, and they would not cross reference, and he'd be getting all these um, prescription drugs and. They were giving different things. It wasn't the same drug, which ultimately caused his uh, overdose because they were giving him drugs that together weren't supposed to be together. But they wouldn't have known because they weren't cross-referencing. So there was like just tons of issues in the medical field.
0: I, I mean, I think a lot of that still exists, but.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Anyway, that's
2: terrifying. We can move on with the case. <laughs> yeah. But um, so back to fentanyl. Um, In 1972, it became available to use on its own. And it really, really became a problem in the early 2000s, though they were able to link quite a few dozen deaths between uh, 1972 to the 2000s back to the abuse of fentanyl um so there is this huge possibility that fentanyl could have been being used within this party crowd especially in that area and oh i'm sure oh yeah and that is a huge thought of like Because of people she was running with, is that kind of what led to her demise? I mean, it's kind of sad to think about.
0: I mean, it's definitely possible, especially if something happened, an overdose, and they didn't want to call and report it if they were all also high on the substance. So, I mean, we've seen that theory pop up in cases before, again, both on this podcast and also just in general with Unsolved crimes like is it possible that they were with this group that just didn't want to get themselves in trouble
1: well yeah. yeah weren't you talking about that in like felicia's case
0: and no one really wanted to talk because yep they were all on drugs so that would make sense why it's in my brain as a recent conversation then yeah <laughs>
1: that that's why it's in there but i mean you you do see it a lot though i mean people don't want to give themselves up and risk right. getting themselves in trouble So
0: especially because like, I know this is kind of a warped mindset, but just bear with me. If someone's dead, you can't do anything to save them. So in the immediate, it's kind of like, oh, well, I can report that this person is dead and then also end up in jail or whatever, like dooming myself or they're already dead. I can't save them. So I'm just going to make it look like they vanished and move on with my life. That's true. I do not condone, but. Well, if you um, have like a drug addled brain,
1: that might be what you're thinking. So, yeah. Okay, so we're going to start with when Jenny went
2: missing. On June 23rd, 2001, she left her home in Edwardsville, PA, with Steve Martin, who we've talked about multiple times. Steve was dating Jenny's older sister, Leanne Barzalowski, which I find absolutely shocking because Jenny's sister said that Steve would beat on Leanne in front of the family. Like, why would you let Jenny, your daughter go with him because when she was walking out the door she you know was talking to her mom he really just seemed like bad news and the younger sister said that she saw pure evil in his eyes when she would look at him
1: i have to say like if her sister was older i mean i'm she was a teenager you can't tell them anything. So even if her parents were like, no, don't see him, I'm sure she'd find a way.
0: Yeah. Do we know
1: how old Leanne was? Leanne was only a year older,
2: but I'm just confused why you would let Jenny, who wasn't dating him, go with him if you know
1: he's violent. Right. Yeah, true.
0: I feel like there's just got to be something that, like, we don't know or, like, hindsight is kicking in for this sister. Yeah more now than it really did in the moment of course you know what i mean like i mean it's always so easy for us to say like i can't imagine that they blah 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 but i can't put myself in those shoes at all yeah so yeah. I, I mean i feel like it's a lot of storytelling that comes from hindsight not storytelling that it's false just thoughts that come from hindsight that then get added to the narrative of of what happened Yeah, her mother
2: ended up reporting her missing and the police interviewed Steve immediately. He told the police that he dropped Jenny off at C Major's bar on Main Street in Edwardsville. Though I do want to point out that he's the only person that ever said this. No one corroborated that. No one saw him. No one saw her. It was only his story. Great. Yeah, convenient. He then told the police that she would take off to go to Philadelphia and disappear for a couple of days without telling anyone. He was insistent that it was nothing more than that. And I was like super interested in knowing how she made it all the way to Philadelphia because Google Maps says the distance from Edwardsville to Philadelphia is like 140 miles, which is just under a two hour drive if there's no traffic or construction. Like that's a pretty far, far jump, you know, to run away to. Yeah. Yeah. And I also wanted to know if there was any merit to Steve's assumption, if he was just running his mouth, you know, or what. Her younger sister confirmed that Jenny would venture to Philly for drugs and would call their mother to come pick her up. And when she said it, it sounded like her mother was not always happy to get these calls. I mean that's a far drive, four hours.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean I I have a a friend who is now over a year clean and sober from meth, which is awesome. But when he was in the throes of it, I mean, me, his family, uh, other friends of his would get calls like, "Oh, I'm in D.C.," or um, "Like I'm in Pittsburgh," or um, a couple times they were in Philly. Like we would get these calls and. You know, there was never like, oh, yes, I want to hop out of bed and go to. But at the same time, it was like, I'm going to be pissy about it, but I'm going to do it because if I don't come get you, I don't know what the result will be. Yeah. And I know like this friend of mine's mom went through that so much where like she didn't want to go get him every time she wanted him to like learn a lesson that I won't always pick you up. But someone always picked him up because we were too afraid of what would happen sure if no one picked him up so i totally get where her mom is coming from on that
2: yeah since her sister was so much younger she was unsure how she got to philly but she did know that jenny did not own her own car jenny's older sister leanne corroborated steve's whereabouts after he supposedly dropped jenny off at the bar steve also refused to take a polygraph test which we do say is not the worst since they are technically not admissible in court but it still kind of puts a bad look on him in my opinion
1: yeah when you add it in with other things it can definitely
0: look fishy yeah. if there was nothing else Fishy, it would be like, meh, whatever. Like, I would refuse polygraph tests also, even if I had nothing to do with it, because anxiety is going to make my heart race at every single question and it's going to look like i'm lying constantly but i think combined with everything else it definitely looks Mm -hmm.
2: not great yeah after her disappearance her family handed out and hung flyers to get any tips on jenny's whereabouts her family was totally distraught the last thing she had said to her mom liza was asking her for some cigarettes like you never know when it is going to be the last time you will talk or deceive someone and like that's probably the last thing you want to have a conversation with like one of your loved ones like hey can I bum a cig
1: yeah and it
2: was just so heartbreaking for them her family felt that the police didn't take the case seriously because Jenny was known to be into drugs now we've talked about I mean all of us have talked about a case or two or we've heard it from other podcasts it's sad police honestly viewed jenny as an adult she was 18 could come and go as she pleased jenny's family did follow up on every tip that they would receive her younger sister recounted that the family received a tip that jenny overdosed and her body was somewhere in i want to say valenti scrapyard in edwardsville now this little sister at the time had begged to go with her mother and hadn't realized until they got there that they meant they were looking for a dead body not like her alive oh yeah oh
1: god
2: yeah. And it's just traumatizing. Like you think you're going to go find your sister, you know, alive, and that's not the case but they did not find her there. She even mentioned that the family consulted a psychic to see if they could get any more answers. And I just kind of want to put it out there as kind of like a small laughable moment because like trying to keep it upbeat. But when we were both trying to spell psychic, apparently we both sucked at it because we got everything other (laughs) than psychic. We knew it was wrong, but couldn't figure out how to spell the damn word.
0: I always want to put, like when I spell psychic and psychology, like I always want it to be a PH word. Yes,
2: yes. And it's not. And then autocorrect kept like changing it to something crazy, and I was like, I think we both know to, what like, we physics. mean. Physics, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and finally, we're like, I know what you mean. Got it. Good. We're good. Let's let's stop that.
1: <laughs> what a time for autocorrect <laughs> to be ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and like I said before, she was much younger, so she doesn't really remember exactly what. The psychic said, but she remembers a feeling of kind of just being nervous. There was also local gossip that Steve might have concealed her body in the basement, which we did hear about with Felicia's story when she claimed she told her mom that. Right. But then there was kind of also rumors about he put her somewhere else in the house. And at the time of Jenny's disappearance, Steve was building his house. And it's important to note that he did work in construction. So, like, it wouldn't have been that hard for him.
1: You know, yeah, that seems huge to me.
0: Yep, isn't isn't there a case we talked about? Um, and maybe it's not one we covered on the pod, but just one that's fairly popular. Um, that someone went missing or was murdered by, or they suspect it was by someone whose family had a pool business, uh, and they thought that the person might have been buried like under a pool. Oh my I god! Don't have any idea what I'm talking about? I've I'm never heard of that up. one. I haven't heard that one. Okay. Maybe that's another one, but it
1: doesn't sound too far fetched. Yeah,
0: honestly, it doesn't sound not real. Maybe that's that's another one that like I've looked into a couple times. I mean,
1: I've heard of one. I think the woman was like buried under like a cement patio or something like that. I, but I, I'm sure it
0: happens. I am sure that someone out there has a clue of what I'm talking about. So
1: <laughs> I'm if sure. Has I don't doubt you. Any clue?
0: <laughs> let me know what I'm talking about because. Let Sarah know what she's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, Brittany and Trish usually know what I'm talking about. I usually end up getting a text from one of the two of them. So no pressure, but you two need to know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry.
2: All good. So the family felt and still feels that really no one cares. Uh, That's kind of where they're at and where they've been. So as we talked about before, just over three years later, felicia went missing her case completely ended up overshadowing jenny's case and when talking to jenny's younger sister you could just tell there was some resentment and frustration when talking about felicia's case and all the coverage she said that her mother stopped talking to the media when she noticed a shift in that jenny was kind of portrayed as a druggy and felicia's coverage doesn't ever really mention her drug use uh like we said before both of them ran with the same crowd and both did drugs and in felicia's articles it mentions that drug use was being used but it never specifically says she was doing it. and hmm. Uh, All this is coming from her mom is kind of pushing that narrative. And I don't know if maybe she realized the lack of coverage or the lack of help with this family's case and was like, well, maybe I need to spin it another way to get more attention Yeah, because we do know the mention of drugs, the mention of anything, it kind of just puts a negative, you know, I guess vibe or not as much coverage, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say?
1: Yeah. Yeah. People kind of write you off because you chose a higher risk lifestyle so they seem to think that was it like my favorite murder that says like it doesn't make you less dead yes or something like yeah i think it
0: it was either them or morbid it
1: doesn't mean that she deserved to be murdered
0: Yeah. yeah and I feel like when there's a missing person's report, I mean, any missing person's report that comes in should be taken seriously, but I'd feel like you should almost hop a little bit faster when it's someone involved with drugs because they're more likely to be in a lot more imminent danger. Yeah. I mean, maybe not. Maybe that's just because, again, if, if you're choosing that lifestyle, you are closer to danger, but that should mean that people are faster to react to you, not slower. You'd think. If that makes sense, but... Yeah. Of course, a lot of people don't think that way. Yeah.
2: Now, in the family's eyes, it almost kind of felt to them that Felicia was more important to the media and the locals than Jenny was, which is kind of, like, heartbreaking since they were from the same town, same community, and that is just disheartening. And now, I discovered a Facebook page called In Memory of Jennifer Barzalowski, and I was just personally astonished to see almost all articles about Felicia and her mother's bestie, Judy, who we talked about before— was just constantly posting on the page just about Felicia.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. So does she not have her own
2: memorial page? Well, that that was gonna be my next thing. Like, why don't you make your own? So when I was researching for Felicia Thomas, she did not. Um and one of the first things that came up for Jennifer was this Facebook page. And I was so excited, I was like, yes, because when I was looking the previous like two weeks ago Two or three weeks ago. Couldn't find anything. And I got on there and literally all the articles are about about Felicia, or they'll like offset like a comment or two about Jennifer, but nothing as much as Felicia. And it's all posted by Judy.
1: That's really frustrating. Yeah.
2: It is frustrating. And I and I get it, like they both deserve justice. I'm not saying that any any at all. But like create your own page. Like that's almost a slap in the face.
0: Exactly. When one victim is already getting a lot more coverage, you don't need to go to a different victim's page and post for the victim that's already getting coverage, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. That's that's just shitty. It is. So April 2nd, 2010,
2: Jennifer Skull was located in Hunlock Township. We did talk about this before, but I'm going to get into some more specifics. There were two teenage boys riding on their ATVs near Roaring Brook off Rearing Brook Drive when they discovered the skull. Police had asked both Jennifer and Felicia's families for dental records. Dr. John Hosage and Dr. Stephen Bonamo were the forensic odontologists who performed the dental exam. The skull was then sent to the University of North Texas Center for Human Identification for more tests, and it took the family approximately six months to get the remains back. The cause of her death is listed as undetermined and after her school was found state troopers officers from the state game commission and the Luzerne County detectives all assisted in searching for the rest of her skeletal remains state police ended up taking two cadaver dogs to expand the search 1.5 miles in every direction of where the skull was discovered and I did see there was another article that said that there were three cadaver dogs specifically from New York but it was the only time that was mentioned so I'm not 100% sure but cadaver dogs were used no other human bones were ever found in the area Apparently there were tons of animal bones because it was a dumping ground for animal carcasses.
0: Mm, That's got to really make things tough. I wonder, I mean, was it, was it just speculated that it was a dumping ground or did they actually say it was? I mean, if the, if the game commission is involved, it's possible. I mean, like anytime there's like, roadkill or um animals that are killed out of season or like anything like that um the from what i understand at least the state game commission has like certain drop-off points because i mean if an animal's dead it's dead you just can't let it sit on the side of the road because it'll attract other things yeah so is it maybe like a a dumping spot for them that there'd be a lot of bones well they didn't
2: specifically say but it was quoted okay. from a state uh trooper that it was a dumping ground and i was kind of confused because i'm okay. like why why are there so many <laughs> dead animal carcasses i i've never heard of that before but then again i don't live in like that woodsy of an area
1: i always never well i guess i never thought about where roadkill <laughs> I never it
0: did either. It actually came up very recently when my husband and I were driving somewhere and we drove past like a game warden vehicle because okay. he knows the whole emergency response world. And he has a lot of friends that are cops and working toward being game wardens and all that kind of stuff. So hmm. he is just full of this type of knowledge. And he told me that They have dumping grounds because they have to put it somewhere. So I don't know if that's the case here, but it's a possibility. Though I'm kind of confused because
2: I do know that this area is like approximately like a mile away from Stephen's actual house. So I don't even know if it's like on his property. So then that makes me question, could that be that? I don't know. I'm not sure.
0: It's... It still could be. Um, And I mean, as far as it being like close to his property, but not completely his property. I mean, like growing up, my best friend's mom lived on the side of a mountain and we would always go up and sometimes we would stay on what was considered their property. And other times it was what would have just been like game land, but it was part of the mountain. So it might just be like maybe his property butts up against state owned. That's true. Land. That's true. I
1: feel like that might bring your property value down to be like, I live next to a uh, roadkill graveyard. <laughs>
0: so
2: police theorize the reason that there weren't any other bones was due to
1: flooding in September
2: of 2004 from remnants of hurricane Ivan. It is possible that bones could have washed downstream from another location. They also theorized that an animal could have scattered bones, but to me, if that were the case, wouldn't there be teeth marks on the skull? And kind of wouldn't that be easy to answer?
0: Kind of a gruesome thought. Is it possible that maybe her body was disposed of somewhere and that while there was still like skin or hair as part of the head and not just the skull that an animal dragged that part of it? And that's why it would have been separate. I know Grace is like, Oh, I hate it. Squirming in her. I don't like the thought, but I'm just wondering if maybe that's plausible. Well, I see what you're saying though.
2: The thing that I'm confused about is because even in one of the reports, they didn't, say that they saw anything that could have separated the head. They were kind of unsure because it didn't have the typical like edge marks of like a knife or whatever. So I'm just confused mm. how her head even separated from her body, if you know what I mean. I um, see. And if it was an animal, it would have to have teeth marks, right? To separate it. Cause it's like connected.
0: Unless it had gotten to a certain point of decomp. That's I guess, where true. it could easily. Cause I mean, between the vertebrae, you just have um, cartilage. Yeah. So eventually, I mean, it's just cartilage is just another type of tissue. So eventually that would break down and it might n- not look as much like animal bite marks in something. If it's that, I don't know. I don't know.
1: But it was just the skull, right? It wasn't yep. mm-hmm. like vertebrae. No, nope, mm. just the skull. Yeah. I don't I don't know I don't like it so
2: her older sister, Crystal Isbell, was quoted in Citizen's Voice saying, I thought it would be good, but it turned out to be worse. We only have a part of her. Having the rest of her would make it easier. It is very important to note that Jenny's skull location, as we talked about, was approximately a mile away from where Steve Martin lived. And it's just kind of like, is that a coincidence or not? Like, and if it is a coincidence, it's just bad luck
0: for him, I guess. It's a, it's a very convenient coincidence if it's a coincidence. Yeah. Or inconvenient for him.
2: Yeah. Jenny's family organized a memorial service that was held on April 24th, 2010 at the Emanuel Assembly of God Church. Crystal said that the service would feature pictures of Jenny and have an assortment of yellow roses, which were Jenny's favorite flowers. Quote, we want her friends to be able to say goodbye to her. It feels right after nine years, said Crystal. The memorial service had roughly 75 friends and family that came out to grieve Jenny. That's sweet. It it. It looked nice. They had some pictures and her younger sister sent me some pictures and I can't tell if they're from a scrapbook or maybe from, you know, maybe being presented, but they were just sweet. It's yeah. just kids. It's like really sad. That's mm-hmm. heartbreaking. It is. But we're going to get to the even more heartbreaking side of the story. Oh,
0: good. Good. I was hoping for that. Yeah. So Leanne
2: Barzalowski stayed with Steve Martin and even had two children with him after her sister went missing. Her youngest is named after Jennifer too, which to me is like kind of a slap in the face. When Steve was getting sentenced for killing a pedestrian, Leanne
0: asked for leniency. Yep. I want to go back a sentence. Okay. So, naming her youngest Jennifer. Yep. I feel like I can see us the slap in the face part. Are you saying a slap in the face to Steve? No. Or to, to the family? To Jenny? <laughs> to the family? Okay. To Jenny? I don't know. I could kind of see it being a slap in the face to Steve, though, too. Like, if you really did kill my sister, here's the ultimate payback that your child is now named after the person that you may have killed. And then, I don't know if that makes sense. To
2: me, it almost made me feel like maybe she did it because she honestly... For the, I mean, her sister did say that for the longest time she did not believe he did it and uh-huh. that she, maybe she did it to kind of like appease her family because things were definitely rocky, obviously, after the disappearance. Right. So I'm not sure.
1: I'm sure she truly, if she married him, then she like truly did not believe that he did
0: it. They but, never or or I don't. he be- was that abusive and had that kind of control. Yeah. I'm not
2: sure that I they don't were like married. any of that.
0: I'm not sure they were married. I will say that. I'm
2: not
1: sure about that. But they stayed together. They did. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Gotcha.
2: And, you know, obviously she cared about him when he was in court getting sentenced for killing the pedestrian, which we talked about. Um, She wanted leniency. She said that he was a wonderful father, well, at the time, is a wonderful father and that they were living a wonderful life. But I call BS because on November 25th that year, she had filed a protection from abuse order against him. Mm. But in the typical domestic violence relationship style, she withdrew the order five days later and I guarantee it. It's because he promised he could change he talked her out yeah. of it he became this sweet loving guy and was like
1: love bombing yeah yep so and sorry real quick could you just refresh my memory real quick how did he kill the pedestrian
2: i actually found out more information about it but i didn't know if it was pertinent whatever he was in a car chase with cops and it lasted i think like only 65 seconds um but right. he ended oh up God. killing a pedestrian and they did not die right away i think it was 13 days that they were in the hospital and then passed wow
0: how do you defend that like he's a great dad even though he fled from cops and within under two minutes of fleeing from cops he killed someone but like he's he reads bedtime stories so sounds like a stand-up guy put him in jail
2: and apparently the police found a (sighs) sawed-off shotgun in his car as well Oh my god. Oh cool. So at the same time as the sentencing, he was also facing charges in court that he allegedly gave several teenage girls beers and mar- marijuana and he is also accused of sexually assaulting the two girls.
0: I'm assuming by teenage we're talking under 18. Like yep. we're not yes. saying 18 minors. or teen like yep. minors. yep minors. Just like just find an 18-year-old. I don't what I don't understand the people that end up messing around with like 15, 16, 17-year-olds. I, I mean know. I guess people can lie but yeah I just
1: want to punch him in a stupid face Oh yeah well <laughs> that's yeah. my thoughts <laughs> Well, these allegations
2: kind of surfaced as police were investigating the disappearance of Jenny and Felicia. Now, while Steve was in prison serving his sentence, he had sent a letter to Leanne's aunt expressing thoughts of suicide. Apparently, Leanne warned prison officials of this possibility, but they did nothing. Citizen's voice reached out to the prison and they would not release whether or not Steve was on a suicide watch at the time of his hanging. Well, him hanging himself. After he died... She was caught talking to the media saying, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place as far as this is concerned. He killed my sister and I loved him. Whoa. Yeah. And that's a direct quote that she said on air. Whoa.
0: So now she's admitting that he did it.
2: Uh, I think maybe she probably went back and backpedaled after. Maybe there was a lot of
0: emotions. I'm not sure. That's fair. Okay. Because this was right after he died. Jeez. That's also like... Really, the media does this all the time. Like, as soon as something happens, like they want a a comment from family. Like, could you imagine finding out that your partner for how many years and the father of your children died by suicide in jail serving a sentence? Like, you're probably already wrestling with a thousand emotions. Find out that he hanged himself and then you know you've got people with microphones in front of you how do you feel how do you feel what do you think like yeah. no get away from me Don't. yeah and not everyone you know can just make themselves not talk yeah you know what I mean like some people feel like they you have to say something so you just say what comes out and then you get stuck in these sort of yeah situations my brain where would not
1: be processing and I'd probably no. say something really stupid oh well she said yeah. a couple other
2: things that had me like shocked oh good more stupid things. Okay. She was like it was catching up to him and he couldn't live with himself. I'm assuming referring to Jenny. And then she also said, right, when I was living with him at times I would look at his arms thinking those arms killed my sister. However, love is not a switch you can turn on and off. I will always love him." Quote.
0: Wow. Whoa. I, yep. I just like I love my husband. I there will always be- be a part of me that loves him no matter what comes through life but i think like if i found out that he murdered my brother or you know someone in my family or a close friend i don't know that i would have much if any sympathy for him to say things like love is not a switch you can turn on and off i will always love him like i'm always gonna love who he was at that point when we were together but i don't know if i would say i don't know there are limits it's hard though there are limits, <laughs> yeah. very hard limits.
1: Those yeah. arms killed my sister. Like, I'm just like staring at those words.
0: Yeah. When I was living with him, I would look at his arm. Like, not just if I would see him in passing, like at, that, the thought just rattles my brain because I can't, just because of who I am, I can't comprehend it. Not that she's in the wrong for anything. It just, it it blows my mind to have to live through that and have those kind of thoughts.
2: But the thing is, then it makes me question, like, she was his alibi for that night that her sister went missing. I wonder, like, I had thrown this back and forth Did with he her, her. Yeah, th- her with her sister. Like, yes, I probably doubt that she was involved in what happened, but maybe did she lie because he said something else? Like, did she not understand at first maybe what she was
0: lying for? And then she got wrapped up in it and then couldn't turn it back around. Did she maybe know about a lot of these other things going on? And if she outed him for Jenny, then she'd be outing him for all these other things. Yeah, and And she'd be held accountable too. Right. For certain stuff. But then... I mean, when is she revealing all this? We're seeing it after there was my teacher voice coming out asking a question when (laughs) I just want to say something. Um, But we're seeing her make these comments after he died, after he was already outed for these other things, after he was sentenced. So it could line up that she was really just trying to protect herself, uh, being afraid of what he would do. But now he didn't have that power anymore. Yeah. Yeah domestic abuse is no freaking joke and obviously we know that but
1: I totally like understand that it's really it's so so hard to get out of an abusive relationship but I'm just I'm so stuck on this like I'm just thinking in my head like if anybody like laid a hand on my sister and I don't like I just I can't Marry those two things, like loving the person and like wanting to literally like claw their eyeballs out with my fingers. <laughs> like but it's, it's just it's really hard. I'm not working. I know
2: somebody, and not that well, but I know someone that's related to her very well. And I kind of help out with this person that I don't know that well. And she is abused. Um, and there's no like Ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no question. Um, It's pretty evident. And when I'm dealing with them, I guess, together, it's just noticeable. And I Mm. think he tries sometimes to do it with me. Not, like, hurt me or anything, but be, like, dominant and stuff like that. And as Amanda knows, I'm a very (sighs) dominant person. (laughs) Opinionated <laughs> person, you're not gonna try that on me. And I've had to have this talk with him, like, I'm not scared of you. There's nothing you hold against me. Try me. And yeah. no matter how many people just want the best for her, she just doesn't see it. And she she might go away if things get bad, but then she comes back because those promises. And it's just so, so hard and heartbreaking. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter what people say or how she looks or how bad it is, how much makeup or how much clothing she has to wear. And it's now trickling to the um, children that they have. And their one child is just struggling so hard and with similar things that she's seeing in the home, she's doing in school. And it just... It is heartbreaking.
0: So, I I mean, I can't even imagine what Leanne was going through, honestly. Not at all. I mean, again, it's one of those things. It's so easy to look from the outside in and say X, Y, and Z. But until you're there living it, nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows unless Mm -hmm. you're one of the two people in that relationship. Mm -hmm. You have no clue what goes on behind closed doors. That's so true.
2: And so after these comments were kind of being made, Jenny's younger sister told me that Jenny and Leanne were like so close. Like they were only a year apart in age, like I said before, and at times they were inseparable. And like, I just don't understand how, like, I get like Steve, I guess is her family, but like you've had so many more years with your, like, there's not much I would not do for my sister. I just don't get it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where that like disconnect happened and it's kind of sad. And all of this kind of ended up ruining the entire family. Jenny had four other sisters who all loved her dearly. She had two, so she was literally the middle. She had two older, two younger sisters. When she disappeared there, then became this huge strain with the family and Leanne obvious for obvious reasons. You know, the sister I talked to said she hasn't talked to her older sister Leanne in almost 10 years. That's like a really long time. Wow. And it's, like, it's hard because, like, she's still alive, but things are so bad. There's no there's nothing there. After Steve died, Leanne fell into drugs herself. She ended up moving down south. She now has five children and three have been taken from her and now live with other family in PA. (laughs) Crystal and the other two younger sisters, who I am not going to mention because they were not mentioned in any of the articles and they asked to not be mentioned, they are all doing well, obviously, with everything considered. Um... They still live in the local area of Edwardsville. Liza, Jenny's mother, committed suicide roughly five years ago. Um,
1: oh, oh my God. Yeah.
2: There has just been so much pain for this family, and they honestly still just want answers. And when Gosh. I was talking to the little sister, like I said, I found this Facebook page, couldn't find a lot of information. I just put a post, be like, hey, I'm working on a podcast, thinking about doing this case. If you want contact me, she contacted me and she was hesitant. She was like, we just want help, but like, they don't want to take, be taken advantage of. They don't want their." She asked, like, are we going to be making money off of this? Are we just trying right. to take advantage of them? And they don't know what to do. They kind of feel helpless. And I guess after their mom passed away, the little sister said her mom would like clip all of the um, articles about Jenny and she had this huge box of stuff and tips and x y and z and when liza passed it then got handed down to this younger sister i've been talking to and um it puts kind of puts pressure on her because she was so young she doesn't know how to handle this i'm sure it brings up a lot of a lot of drama it's
0: like inheriting a literal burden yeah like here you have to carry this now Exactly. Well, knowing too and and this is just kind of an assumption, but I have to think that her mother's death was motivated at least a little bit by just this lack of resolution. Maybe I'm totally off, maybe there were other things, but I would think that, you know, having a daughter who you only have one bone is gone and you can't get answers i mean that's gotta wreak havoc and i mean so getting something that your mom kept that is related to something that kind of pushed her to the the point of death by suicide i mean i I can't imagine the extra piece that's on top of that burden that you're inheriting like you said grace yeah and it's it's sad
2: it's horrible. Oh my gosh. So I also really wanted to kind of know more about Jenny as a person, because as we always say, these articles really don't mm-hmm. give you that much. They give you like t- tidbits, but on smaller cases, they don't, nothing shines through on the person. Right. And her little sister said that they actually shared the same birthday of January 14th. They were seven years apart in age and would share birthday parties together and like have the cakes and stuff.
1: oh. I love that. Oh, yeah. It
2: was so sweet. And I had to laugh because she's like, isn't that crazy? And I said, well, actually, my niece and my brother-in-law share the same birthday. And it's like the best like (laughs) present or
0: gift or whatever. Yeah, the big joke in my husband's family is that there's a birthday duplicate for almost everybody. Oh my goodness. Like, wow, there's I mean, okay, his family is huge. Like he has like 17 cousins or something like that. So there's a lot of people to choose from. The, the pool is much larger to match birthdays up with. But every time like one of the cousins starts dating someone new, there's like somebody else in the family that has the same birthday. <laughs> it's so weird. Mine is Uncle Steve. Nah. Like, it's, it's just weird.
1: My dad and my mom's fun. brother have the same birthday. If we're, if we're just sharing these anecdotes, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to be part of it.
0: <laughs> Sarah's tired and is saying whatever random things come to her brain. If you haven't caught on to that in the past 50 minutes. So Jenny was a tomboy and played baseball
2: when she was younger. She loved the Grateful Dead band. And right before her disappearance, her younger sister laughed and said that she was getting into 50 Cent, which I also laughed at as well. (laughs) Those are not two bands I would connect. Yeah. (laughs) And then I just had to laugh because I was like, I'm sure Jenny would have loved this year's halftime show then.
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Jenny loved wearing tie dye, obviously, because Grateful Dead. And she just had started experimenting with makeup just before her disappearance. Like, I'm sure we all know, like now, nowadays, half these little ones look like they're 25 and like, blows my mind.
0: Oh, I have, I have students who are. Like, they're best friends outside of school, too, which being cyber, you don't always see. But they will get together on Zoom and have, like, makeup sessions where they, (laughs) like, and they'll come into class the next day and be like... Mrs. Letterman, look at the pictures that we took yesterday. And I'm like, y'all, that looks awesome. Can you do my makeup? Because I look (laughs) like I'm 15 and you're actually 15 and you look like you were in your 20s.
2: (laughs) Yeah. In the older years, like people were not wearing makeup. I mean, like they are today. So I thought it was so sad because she was 18, like just kind of like starting to, I guess, blossom and... Then, yeah. then this happened, and um, her little sister says that she misses her voice the most, and it is hard to remember how it sounds.
1: Oh my god, I hate that.
2: Yeah. <sighs> I asked her if there was anything she wanted people to know about Jenny's case and what would it be. She said that people are still here and affected by Jenny's disappearance each and every day. With that being said, if you have any information regarding this case, please contact Pennsylvania State Police at 570-697-2000. Also, if you could do this family a solid call, the police and ask about this case. Liza would call in and check. But since she passed, the police really don't get questioned all that much. Like I said before, it kind of falls on the sisters. One of them is kind of off doing her own thing. And the other three, it's kind of just left. And they feel there's just so many open wounds that they're, you know, dealing with right now. Yeah. The little sister did tell me that Crystal has kept the same phone number since Jenny went missing and the off chance police do need to contact them. And it would just mean the world to them to know that their family is thought about or people care that a person in their community was killed. They just want answers. That's all we have for this episode of Keystone Cold Cases Podcast. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victim, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by Chelsea Brown. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. The music and production assistance from Darren Magens. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.